Center Insights. I'm your host, Nanda Felding, a senior partner at Center Partners, an executive search firm in London, where I run the global consumer and brand practice. The pandemic has inspired us to take a fresh approach to our business and leverage one of our greatest assets, our global network of executives. We have launched this Center Insights series to answer specific questions across many business critical topics. In collaboration with Johanna at Krisha & Co, a tech entrepreneur and strategic management consultant, I'll be joined by a guest speaker in each episode. These subject matter experts are happy to share their knowledge with you, our global audience. This week, we are moving on from digital to another topic close to my heart, purpose. We know an all-encompassing word. Yet I personally believe companies cannot survive without a purpose in 2020 as it touches all aspects of the value chain, including DNI, as well as sustainability, innovation, and brand. I'm delighted we were able to invite Eric Lietke this week, one of the most progressive sustainability advocates I know. He was the previous CMO for Adidas, and at the end of last year, Eric decided to step away from his executive board position and pursue the fight against plastic waste full-time. While at Adidas, Eric led all global brands, including Adidas, Reebok, and Yeezy business units. He led all the sub-brands, as well as the key brand functions, including design, innovation, brand management, and digital brand owners. Eric reset the Adidas brand by unleashing a culture of collaboration and creativity, and by inviting employees, athletes, and consumers to create the future of sport together. Eric and I both believe that the private sector ought to lead the way when it comes to sustainability and changing the world. There's so much companies can do, touching the lives of consumers and employees, which as Eric will share are indeed the same. What does it mean to be a purposeful brand? Eric will share his views as well as success story of what Adidas achieved in terms of the fight against plastic and how one shoe turned into a billion plus business. Hugely inspirational and hopefully food for thought for all of you. Eric, over to you. Hey, thanks, uh, thanks, Nanda. I appreciate the opportunity to speak to you guys today. Asenta and Nanda have asked me to speak about brand purpose and how critical it is in today's world. Uh, so what I'll try to do is outline, you know, purpose and the role of purpose in today's workplace. Uh, what, I, what I was able to do at Adidas or Adidas and then um, give you guys some ideas on how you might be able to apply it to your companies uh, or brands. So if you, if you look at the dictionary of purpose, uh, the reason, uh, it's the reason for which something is done. And over the years, from a company standpoint, from a corporate standpoint, you know, a lot of it's been done on winning and being the best in something, uh, you know, best cars, best planes, best products, best services, best experiences. Um, when you think of those things, you, you, should, you should conjure images of um, what is that? that that's um, you know Porsche, that's Apple, that's Louis Vuitton. For me, it might be Lufthansa or British Air or you know, Four Seasons or, or places like that, that that conjure up experiences you've had or services or products or just best in class. It's, it's what you think about um, when you think about different products or services. Um, today, I would say that being the best is still very important, but it's not enough. It's, you've, you've got to do more. Um, 
So you've got to start to look at your purpose as, as something that contributes more than just solving the top or bottom line. It's got to solve more than just the needs of the shareholders. It's got to serve the, the people behind it. And I would, I would argue that the people behind it are, are really the critical piece. And when I say that, I'm talking about, yeah, of course, employees, but also the consumers. And I, I see them being one and the same going forward. Uh, you know, as we talk about, you know, the war for talent um, and the war for talent is over, the, the, employee is, the, the employee is one, something we used to say at Adidas, and I firmly believe it because uh, employees are um, our consumers and brands are being judged for what they stand for, not just how profitable or how much sales are doing. Uh, they're being judged at a higher level. And I, I think we have, to, we have to admit that the world is a pretty stressed out place right now. And the crises is come and go, but the stress remains the same. I, I just watched Social Dilemma last night and it, it's more apparent to me than ever that you've got a stronger, stronger feed in front of you 24 seven, um, you know, every day of the year coming through dozens if not hundreds of times a day telling you how stressed out things are and what you need to do. So from a brand standpoint, you can't just be worried about top and bottom line. You've gotta be worried about making a difference. And you've gotta do that not just to win your employees and the loyalty and advocacy of them, but to win the, your, your consumers and to win the hearts and minds and ultimately wallets of them. So what do I mean by that? Brands need to take a stand on what they stand for when it comes to social justice, when it comes to gender justice, when it comes to economic justice, when it comes to health justice, when it comes to climate justice. They don't have to take a stand on every aspect, but they do have to take a stand on one or the other or multiple ones at times based upon how they view the world and what they want to convey to the world. You know, as I think about brands, what is a brand? It, it's a collection of people with shared values, beliefs, and behaviors, and trying to input, you know, products or services or experiences into the world. And therefore, they've got to stand for something not just best, but they've got to stand for um, making the world a better place. And to do that, you, you've really got to hone in on some of your core culture, beliefs, and positions. And, you know, I, I guess from my standpoint, I was a 26-year Adidas vet. I've seen Adidas in all sorts of different places. The last six years I was there, starting in 2014 and ended in the end of 19, I would say um, we were able to tap into some of this purpose-driven. And I'd like to quickly take you through, uh, I guess, the experience of that. So what, what, what we did uh, over the last six years before I left. And the first thing we did was we really refined our why. Um, and I, I think many of the listeners are probably familiar with Simon Sinek and his, you know, know your why. I love it. And it's basically is, is know what you stand for. And, and Adidas, we worked really hard in, in the latest uh, strategic business plan cycle to talk about, you know, our why. And, and we settled on something that's, that, that, that was very simple. It's through sport, we have the power to change lives. It seems pretty innocent, but it, when you start to put it into action, you can talk about, yeah, Adidas is a sports company. You should think about soccer. You should think about football. You should think about basketball. You should think about running. You should think about outdoor. You should think about all the different sports you do. And, and that's important. But it's how you use that platform of sport to change lives. So through sport, we have the power to change lives. So we said we're going to use sport as a platform. And then we took the ownership to ourselves and we said we, we have the power to change lives. And when you start to make that ownership, you could have easily said sport has the power to change lives. And it could have been very standoffish and been like, hey, guys, look at that. Isn't it interesting? Sport has the power to change lives. And it's very, you know, a view from the sideline. 
What it means when you put it into action and you start to own it with, we have the power to change lives, you put the onus on the employees and you empower them at the same time to say, we want to hear from you. We want to have a culture where you're coming up with ideas to make a difference in the world, whether it be through climate, gender, social, economic, whatever, we want, we want to hear your ideas. And then you have to have a culture around that belief that asks and invites people to the, to the table. You have to ask them, you have to be confident in your leadership and management enough to ask for help. And then recognize that when, when, the, when your employees or your external partners are coming forward with ideas, that, that um, they're, they're pretty good and, and, and shine them up. And so going through that process was really rich for me. And, and we ended up coming to a conclusion that we thought climate justice was where we wanted to start. Um, we, we also had initiatives around gender and social justice, but they were, they were not at the, at the same progress when I left um, as, uh, as climate justice. And it was, it was an interesting way it came about. It, it basically, we, we were always passionate about being more sustainable, but it really wasn't resonating with the, uh, with the consumer because it was just sustainability is one of those terms that's very large and can be very hygienic in its, in its, in its nature. So when Parley for the Oceans walked in the door, again, a partner of ours and said, hey, are you interested in solving the problem of ocean plastic? We're like, Yes, we should be, and we should use our platform to do something about that. And so we decided to take on that challenge to say, yes, we want to help solve the problem of ocean plastic. Well, that became a very tip of the iceberg, if you will, um, where we said, okay, now we're going to battle plastic and plastic waste in general, and we're going to make this a whole encompassing uh, project for, the, uh, for, for Adidas. And so we, we really lasered in and started with an external partner coming to us with an idea on solving ocean plastic. And it led us to really lasering in on the plastic problem in general. And we started super small. You know, we, we had um, some compelling demonstrations of, the, of one shoe made out of ocean plastic. Um, and we started to talk about where we could eliminate it. And we got our employees involved to talk about what, what ideas they had. And soon enough, we eliminated plastic in, in all of our offices globally. We eliminated plastic in all of our retail stores. We set a 2024 moonshot to be off of virgin polyester in all of our product, which just for the listeners, it's about 600 million items of product that are made out of polyester from Adidas a year. And polyester is just a fancy name for petroleum-based plastics. And so... Now Adidas is doing, uh, when I left, I think a billion in business on, of ocean plastic that started with one shoe in 2015. And now in 2020, they'll do over a billion. They've just announced, I, I saw, and this is, you know, since I've been gone, a 500 million sustainability bond. BlackRock has even said they're investing in Adidas because of their sustainability strategy. And it's just a, just a small, you know, example of how much impact you can make with a, with a, with a purpose-driven initiative. And so we started with our belief. We got down into, you know, how that belief kind of comes through. We asked for help in, in our culture. We brought in help from a partner called Parley for the Oceans. And all of a sudden we're being, you know, we're, we're they're setting up billions in business, 500 million sustainability bond and BlackRock is investing in them as one of their sustainable bonds, which is pretty remarkable. And I would just say to, to, to how you guys may be able to look at it in, in your minds is, you know, Start small, focus on one topic. I mean, it can be overwhelming all the different topics that are coming to your, to, to your plate. Let employees run with it. Let, let them let the, let, have a culture where your employees are confident enough to, to go with ideas and bring them to managers and leaders that are willing to accept things that might be a little off-center at first or not maybe always fitting nicely into the P&L, but have the bandwidth to look in the short-term, mid-term, and long-term. And I guess finally, 
I would say these initiatives need to be owned by the operators. I think too many companies are putting them into the chief sustainability officer or the head of diversity and inclusion or some of these places that, are, that, can, be, that can be earmarked underneath the COO or into the HR department. And I think what you find is then they get compromised. If they're not owned by the CEO, CMO, CSO, and the extended board, then they're going to be, they're going to get, um, they're going to get compromised when it comes to, or, you know, when it comes to tough decisions on, on, the, on the balance sheet, they're going to get um, diluted and cut when times get tough. It's that simple. I think we all know that, but I think if you want to win the consumer, if you want to win the hearts and minds and advocacy of the consumers and your employees, in the, in, the, in the short term and the long term, you've got to defend these things as points of difference. You've got to defend these things as unique selling propositions and things you can build your brand around. And I think there's too many companies that aren't seeing that yet. Too many of these initiatives get stopped at the balance sheet. And I get the pain of balancing a balance sheet, but I think that, that leads me to my last point is you're gonna require new types of managers and leaders. You're gonna require leaders who not only know how to operate, but also how to empathize and understand their employees, understand their consumers, and, and can kind of see around the next corner where the trends are going. And it's not about being soft. I mean, I think too much when we say empathy, people think, oh, that's too soft. I, I don't think anybody I've ever worked with would consider me soft. But I think having the ability to listen, having the ability to empathize and connect with people on a, a more than a head level, but on a heart level, um, is, is, is the future. And, and I think the world needs that. It, it, it's about being connected. It's, an, it's not about putting up walls and, and having us versus them conversations. I think we need to bring all of us together and focus on a future us and what that world looks like. And the private sector has got to solve for it. So in summary, I think the future belongs to purpose-driven brands. I think they're brands that do not drive a, a purpose-driven differentiation in the marketplace are building their own um, mausoleums to themselves. And I think Adidas is a great example of what they've done in the last six years. I was proud to be a part of it and I'm proud to see the places they go from here. And I hope you've been able to apply some of these things, thoughts to how you might do it uh, with a new technique and, and, and new people on board that can, that can get the, the balance between operations and, uh, and empathy. With that, I thank you very much and back to Nanda. Thank you, Eric, and appreciate the soft skill reference to empathy as well, which is definitely one to add to the list of leadership traits, along with humility, curiosity, and learning capability. Great episode, and I'm sure our audience is inspired by the success story of Adidas. So many great global brands are paving the way in terms of sustainability initiatives, which is exciting to see, and which again, all starts with the right talent. Thank you, audience, and great to have you with us. We appreciate your support and look forward to welcoming you back next week when we're inviting one of our affiliate partners, CHX, to share more about empathetic leadership and how emotional authenticity leads to a more purposeful business and business results. Please consider subscribing to Ascenta Insights in the meantime and feel free to share your feedback with us.